Section three of the Welsh and their literature by George Borrow. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Eric Metzler. Section three. Yes, the Cumric or British race were dispossessed of Britain with the exception of that part which they still emphatically call Cumri, but which by other people is called Wales. There they remained independent for a long time, governed by their own princes and there though now under the sway of england they still preserve their venerable language the oldest in the world with perhaps the exception of the gallic or irish with which it is closely connected wales is not a cumric but a saxon or teutonic word bestowed on the land of the cumri by the seed of hengist like the gaelic word alban it means a hilly or mountainous region and is connected with wall wold and wood. The Germans, from very early times, have called the Cymri Welsh or Valdensis, and the country where they happen to be Welschland. They still apply to Italy the name of Welschland, a name bestowed upon it by their ancestors, because it was originally principally peopled by the Cymri, whom the Germans called Welsh from the circumstance of their inhabiting some mountainous or forest country in the far east when they first came in contact with them. We now proceed to give some account of the literature of the Cymri. We commence with their poetry, and from a very early period, quoting from a Cymric triad. These are the three artificers of poetry and record amongst the nation of the Cymri. Gwydon Ganhebon, who first in the world invented vocal song, and who, the mighty, who first invented the means of recording and preserving vocal song, and Tudan, the father of the muse, who first gave rules to vocal song and a system to recording. From what these three men effected, bards and bardism were derived, the dignities and customs pertaining to which were arranged systematically by the three original bards, Plenith, Alon, and Gubon three ranks or orders constituted what was called bardas or bardism that of bard or poet that of ovath or philosopher and that of druid or instructor the motto of this institution was igur in elbenibid or the truth against the world from which it would appear that bardism was instituted for the purpose of propagating truth Bardism, or as it is generally, though improperly styled, Druidism, was the fount of instruction, moral and religious, in Britain and in Gaul. The vehicle by which instruction, or as it was probably termed, truth, was propagated, was poetry. The bard wrought the philosophy of the Ovath into song, and the Druid or instructor, who was also minister of such religion as the Celts and Cumbri possessed, whatever that was, communicated to his pupils the result of the labors of the bard and ovith. The druidical verses then probably constituted the most ancient poetry of Britain. These verses were communicated orally, and were never written down whilst bardism or druidism lasted, though the bards and druids at a very early period were acquainted with the use of letters. Whether any genuine bardic poetry has been preserved it is impossible to say. It is the opinion, however, of Cumric scholars of reputation, 
that certain ancient strains which the Welsh possess, which are composed in a measure called Englynmilur, are either druidical strains or imitations of such. Each of these compositions is in three lines. The entire pith, however, of the triplet, generally consisting of a moral adage or a piece of wholesome advice, lies in the third line, the two first being composed of trivial and unconnected expressions. Many of these stanzas are called the stanzas of the mountain snow, from the circumstance of their commencing with Eri Munith, which has that signification. The three lines rhyme together at their terminations, and a species of alliteration is observable throughout. A word or two here on Cymric rhyme and measures. In Welsh poetry rhyme is found in a twofold shape. There is alliteration, that is rhyme produced by the same letters following each other at certain distances in the body of the line. Then there is the common rhyme, produced by two or more lines terminating with the same letters. In the older Welsh poetry, by which we mean that composed before the termination of the first millennium, both rhyme and alliteration are employed, but in a less remarkable manner than in the bardic effusions of comparatively modern times. The extent to which the bards of the Middle Ages, and those of one or two subsequent centuries, carried rhyme and alliteration seems marvellous to the English versifier. We English think we have accomplished a great feat in rhyme when we have made three lines consonant in their terminations. But David Benfras, or David of the Thick Head, would make fifty lines rhyme together, and did not think that he had accomplished anything remarkable in rhyming either. Our English alliterative triumph is the following line, composed by a young lady in the year 1800, on the occasion of a gentleman of the name of Lee planting a lane with lilacs. Let lovely lilacs line Lee's lonely lane, in which not only every word, but every syllable commences with the same letter, L. But what is this English alliterative triumph of this young lady compared with the Welsh alliterative triumph of David Nanmaur, who wrote a poem of twelve lines, every syllable of which commences with the letter G, with the exception of the last, which begins with N? The earliest Cymric or British meter seems to have been a triban, or triplet, in each line of which there were, in general, six syllables. The bards of the sixth, seventh, and several succeeding centuries used this meter, and likewise others invented by themselves, in which the lines are of various length. There was no regular system of prosody till the year 1120, when one was established under the auspices of Griffith ab Cunan, Prince of Gwynedd. This ab Cunan, who, though of Welsh origin, was born in Dublin, and educated at the Danish-Irish court, was passionately fond of poetry, and was not only well acquainted with that of the British bards, but with the strains of the Icelandic skalds and Irish filas. Shortly after his accession to the throne of Gwynedd, of which he was the rightful heir, he proclaimed an Eisteddfod, or poetical sessions. At this Eisteddfod, which was numerously attended by poets of various nations, a system of prosody was drawn up by competent persons at his instigation, for the use of the Welsh, and established by his authority. This system, in which Cymric, Icelandic, and Irish forms of verse are blended and amalgamated, has with a few unimportant variations maintained its ground to the present time, 
It contains three primary measures, termed respectively Englin, Cuith, and Arul. Of the Englin there are five kinds, of the Cuith, four, and of the Arul, fifteen. Each particular species of Englin, Cuith, and Arul has its appropriate name, which it is needless to give here. These three primary meters, with their modifications, make together twenty-four measures which embrace the whole system of Welsh versification, in which, as somebody has observed, each line, word, and letter are so harmonized by consonancy, changed so accurately, woven so closely and correctly, that it is impossible to extract one word or even letter without causing a hideous gap. Whoever has ventured to compose out of these measures, since the time of their establishment, has been considered by the Welsh scholar as unworthy of the name of poet. The earliest recorded poet of the Cymru, after the days of Gwyddon Ganhebon and the other personages mentioned with him in the triad, is Merthyn, Berth Emrys Wledig. Merthyn, bard of Prince Emrys. He flourished about the middle of the fifth century, the period when the Saxons arrived in Britain, under the command of Hengist and Horsa. Besides poetry, he was skilled in mathematics, and is said by the Welsh to have been the architect of Stonehenge. He has been surnamed Ambrosius, which is the Latin modification of the name of his patron Emrys. He is the Merthyn, or Merlin, who has had to father so many of the prophecies which since his death have been produced. None of his poems are extant. End of section 3 Recording by Eric Metzler, Albuquerque, New Mexico, United States of America.